Welcome to the Functional Medicine Podcast with Dr. McMinn and Coach Lindsay. We're coming to you from McMinn Clinic in Birmingham, Alabama, where Dr. McMinn is an integrative and functional MD, and Lindsay Matthews is a registered nurse and IIN certified health coach. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest information on a wide range of topics in the field of functional medicine, which looks for the root cause of disease, and integrative medicine, which incorporates both conventional and alternative therapies. Our overall goal is to help you be the best that you can be in mind, body, and spirit. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without approval from your personal doctor. And now, on to the show with Dr. McMinn and Coach Lindsay. And welcome back to the Functional Medicine Podcast with Dr. McMinn, coming to you live from McMinn Clinic located in the Magic City, which is Birmingham, Alabama. At the time of this podcast, our patients, families, community, nation, and the people all over the world are going through a profound and surreal chapter as we're dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. Our thoughts, hopes, and well-wishes go out to everyone as we're all affected by this in some way. Those who have the disease, family members who take care of them, our shut-ins, are newly jobless, those struggling with uh, the ability to pay rent or buy food, struggling business owners, and especially to our heroic healthcare workers who are on the front line of this fight against the virus. But as I say, the show must go on. So here we are, and we're blessed to have with us our co-host today, our nurse and certified health coach, Miss Laurel Roberts. Good morning, Coach. It's great to see you again. How are things at the Roberts household? Good morning, Dr. McMahon, and thank you for allowing me to be here with you yeah. again. Things are going well at our house. Um, you know, grateful for each and every day. So yeah, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Well, we're lucky to have Laurel, especially this morning. She had a flat tire on the way to work this morning, so Lots so of fun. It's, it's, she's uh, it was her, a heroic task to get here today. So anyway, before we get started, I want to remind our listeners that McMinn Clinic is completely dedicated to the practice of integrative and functional medicine. We do our best to get to the root cause of your problem. Then we employ our expanded toolbox of therapies, which you're not going to find at the standard medical environment. And finally, we don't just treat disease; we also embrace the concept of optimization. So you can and get to um, the bottom of things and become the very best version of yourself. And once again, uh, experience that vibrant living. And it's all built on a platform of what we call loving kindness. So if you have any questions about the practice or want more info, check us out at mcminnclinic.com or contact us at info at mcminnclinic.com. It's a great program that we have developed here at McMinn Clinic, which involves four axes. Advanced prevention, where we look for your weakest link and then we try to shore it up. Functional medicine, we always ask the hugely important question, why? Why do you have this problem to start with? And then we do our best to get after the root cause. Then Dr. McMinn reaches into his expanded toolbox of therapies in order to achieve optimal outcomes. That's called integrative medicine. And finally, we help you achieve optimization. It's not good enough to just treat disease. We help you achieve vibrant living so that you can be the very best version of yourself in mind, body, and spirit. Our outcomes, usually with very difficult patients who have fallen through the uh, uh, medical cracks of modern medicine, speak for themselves. This approach flat out works. Um, And now we can't bring the dead back to life, but most of these patients get better, a lot better at McMahon Clinic. So check us out at mcminnclinic.com to learn more about what's happening at McMinn Clinic and to contact us, you can reach us at info at mcminnclinic.com. 
So, Coach, I'm very excited about our topic today. It's long overdue and much needed. We're going to dive into the super important, difficult, and elusive concern of many of our patients, which is called fibromyalgia, otherwise uh, officially known as fibro. This condition is vastly underdiagnosed, undertreated, and poorly understood. So let's get busy, Coach, and try to shed some light on it. Sounds great. It is so important to really dig into this. So let's go. You know, Laurel, I remember back in uh, the emergency room uh, when I was an ER doctor for 20 years, uh, when a patient came in and uh, she had fibro on her list of diagnoses or past medical history, then she was automatically labeled by some of the staff as hysterical, lazy, malingering, or even drug-seeking. Back then, and perhaps to some degree still today, some of these people uh, in the medical community uh, thought that fibro was not a real disease. Even now, I went online the other day and just looked up fibro, and uh, there was a, uh, um, a title that said, Is Fibro Real or Imagined? And that's so sad because, you know, apparently they or their family members don't have it Correct. for people who believe it's not real. If you have it, um, you know it's real, don't exactly, you? Yeah. Exactly. If you get it or your family member gets it, it suddenly becomes very, very real. The fact is that fibro affects about 10 million people in America alone. And so for these people, it is not imagined. It's very real. It can be life-limiting. And the most important thing to take away is it's that it can be treated. So if your doctor insinuates your symptoms are all in your head uh, just because your labs are negative and they can't figure it out, then you need to find a new doctor. And don't let anybody ever put a guilt trip on you for having this very real disease. Now, I want to be clear. These doctors are not evil people. But the fact is these doctors learn nothing about fibro in medical school. And I know that for a fact. I'm currently an assistant professor at UAB School of Medicine. I've been on the faculties of three other medical schools, and I can vouch for the fact that none of them have any significant instruction on how to treat fibromyalgia. So if a doctor is going to learn about it, they have to take a special interest in it and learn it on their own. And most doctors just don't have the time and interest to do that. Right. So, Dr. McMahon, let's start with what exactly is fibro? Well, Coach, depends who you talk to. Um, nobody really owns fibro. Uh, that is just kind of um, doesn't fall into any particular specialty. Um, I think that the uh, rheumatologists have kind of inherited it because nobody else really wanted it. Uh, um, and so they came up with some criteria for diagnosis of fibro. And uh, so it, according to the, um, the American College of Rheumatology, um, uh, you have to meet three conditions to be diagnosed with fibro. Uh, number one, you have to have widespread pain, uh, and they usually actually have a, a pain score that you have to meet, and you've experienced symptoms um, at a similar level for at least three months, and uh, finally, you don't have some other disorder which could explain away your symptoms. However, I think in medicine, sometimes we come up with these strict criteria, and yet to me, it's really what I call a spectrum disorder. That is, on a scale of one to ten, you might have mild symptoms, or you might have severe symptoms. Um, you don't necessarily have to meet all the criteria. It just doesn't make sense to me that if you are one point less than the cutoff on the pain scale, then we discount your pain and say you don't have fibro and uh, there's nothing wrong with you uh, uh, just because your labs are normal. On the other hand, if you are one point more, then we make a diagnosis of fibro. uh, And um, I think these artificial lines in the sand, uh, uh, they just don't make sense to me. And unfortunately, these lines delegitimize a lot of people with very real pain. In my way of thinking, it's very simple. If you have chronic insomnia, severe fatigue, you ache all over, and you have tender areas in your soft tissues like the muscles, um, then you've got some degree of fibro, whether you meet the exact criteria or not. Right, right. And I have certainly heard some of these patients say that it feels like they have gotten the flu and they've never gotten over it. Now, Laura, you, we've all had the flu, right? And it, right. you just ache all over. You can't get out of bed. Miserable. Uh, yeah, you're miserable. Right, exactly. Right? That's how these people feel for, like, for the rest of their lives. Right, right. And, you know, like... 
like you said, you know, you just feel terrible. You have to lay in bed all day and you've got that profound fatigue. And so as it goes on for years and years, it becomes life limiting. It affects your job, your relationships, your parenting. It's even, it's, comes down to affecting who you are as a person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's kind of uh, this uh, self-fulfilling negative prophecy. You have no energy, you feel terrible, hurts to move. And so the, because of that, you don't exercise and then you don't have the energy to cook a good meal. And so these uh, uh, people really spiral downhill. Um, and uh, so uh, um, it, it, it makes them just get sicker and sicker over time. Right, right. And, you know, to be clear, people can have fibro without fatigue. They can have fatigue without fibro, but the two usually go hand in hand. Um, In fact, fibro has many friends, unfortunately, besides chronic pain. You know, these include the fatigue, insomnia, brain fog, which we also call fibro fog, anxiety, low mood or even frank depression, headaches, abdominal pain, and changes in bowel habits. Other less common symptoms can also include sore throat, tender lymph nodes, usually in the neck and under the arms, joint pain, and post-exertional malaise, meaning you're really tired after you work out for the next day or even a couple of days Th- that's after. That's not post-exertional mayonnaise, is it? It's malaise, right? Malaise, right. <laughs> not mayonnaise. <laughs> But really, any exercise could really wipe them out for days. And so as you know, Coach, we're always asking the question, why? So let's talk about why people get fibro. Uh, Bottom line is nobody really knows for sure. And in fact, uh, it may be different for different people. Um, Or it may be sort of a perfect storm of factors that results in fibro for a particular patient. Yes, and here are some theories about the potential causes and risk factors for fibro. There does seem to be a genetic component since it seems to run in families. Stress seems to be a major risk factor. For instance, people who have a history of physical, emotional, or psychological trauma or PTSD are more likely to get fibro. We see that with major life traumatic events like a divorce or a death in the family, these can precipitate fibro. And even people who suffer from physical or emotional abuse as a child then grow up with an increased risk of getting fibro as adults. We find that women get fibro far more often than men. And in fact, about 80 to 90% of fibro patients are adult women in the childbearing years of age 20 to 45. So there is a gender component, and we're not exactly sure why. It's really just not fair. <laughs> it's another sexist disease, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah, it, it is, is. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, another factor can be what we call abnormal pain signaling. Um, abnormal levels of chemicals in the brain, spinal cord, and nerves that can carry these signals uh, may make people more sensitive to feeling the pain. Um, Also, we've talked about the importance of sleep many times uh, on the show for optimal health. Certainly, uh, chronic sleep deprivation and being out of sync with circadian rhythms can be a major risk factor for getting fibro. Yes, and an imbalance of hormones and neurotransmitters can be a factor. Serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine help your body to process pain. And lower than normal levels of these neurotransmitters in the brain and nervous system may interrupt pain signals and intensify your sensitivity to the pain. One of the original fibro docs, Dr. Teitelbaum, described it as a fuse blowing in the hypothalamus. 
it's which is the master control center due to things like chronic stress lack of sleep a virus or a perfect storm of multiple factors you know this makes sense to mm-hmm. me me too and as you know coach i'm always uh, saying that there is a gut everything connection we've talked about the gut many times on the podcast uh, there's gut brain connection gut immune connection gut skin connection really gut everything it's not surprising there appears to be a gut fibro connection the studies show that about 60 percent of people with ibs have fibro and also about 70 percent of people with fibro have uh, symptoms of IBS. So there definitely seems to be a connection there. I've read elsewhere that uh, a lot of these fibro patients have an increased intestinal permeability and uh, what we call leaky gut. And food allergies also may be a factor worth considering. Right, right. And other factors also can include infections like Babesia or Bartonella, Lyme disease or viral infections, even like a severe case of the flu. Also, repeated trauma and status post-surgery people can be at an increased risk of fibro. Even childbirth can be a factor. After women give birth, they are at a greater risk of acquiring fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. There's been some really interesting uh, science going on to try to figure out why people get things like fibro and chronic fatigue uh, syndrome. In fact, uh, right here in the Magic City, Dr. Jared Younger at UAB is doing some really interesting uh, work looking at the role of neuroinflammation as a root cause of fibro and chronic fatigue. To me, this ties in the gut-brain connection because uh, we know uh, that the altered gut microbiome, gut flora, uh, and increased intestinal permeability, which is leaky gut, can cause increased neuroinflammation. So also, if you look at the uh, known causes of inflammation, they certainly overlap with the suspected causes of fibro, things like a poor diet, immune dysfunction, chronic stress, insomnia, chronic infections, and toxins such as heavy metals, mycotoxins, and from mold. Another theory is that fibro patients utilize energy less efficiently, so they get a buildup of lactic acid in the tissues, which is a byproduct of inefficient energy production, resulting in pain in those tissues where you have an increased lactic acid buildup. Yes, and also things like excessive alcohol and changes in weather conditions can make fibro worse. Just a couple more things to think about as well. People with autoimmune diseases like lupus are at an increased risk for fibro. So there may be an immune connection going on that puts people you know, at an increased risk. Um, finally, when it comes to causes, we must mention the connection between fibro and suboptimal thyroid function. In fact, a study from the Journal of Clinical Rheumatology states that the prevalence of fibromyalgia is approximately 2 to 7% in the general population, but the prevalence of fibromyalgia is 30 to 40% in the population of patients with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. That is a huge increase, showing that there is definitely a fibrothyroid connection. So in summary, Coach, it appears it boils down to a genetic predisposition along with a trigger. And let's throw in some gut dysfunction. A trigger can be many things, like those we've uh, discussed already, uh, such as insomnia and stress. The whole process can be mediated by inflammation, which is really the root cause of most diseases. Right, it is. And so, Dr. Mack, how can we help these people who so desperately want to feel better get their lives back? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coach, it's interesting. I think... Um, a lot of times uh, in medicine, we just uh, assume these people just are going to go on with this, and, and um, they, I, I don't know, I'm extrapolating, but th- th- they want to just sort of stay on disability or whatever. It's, but it's just so unfair. Most of them really want to get better. They just don't know how, and they, they've never had the help they need to get better. Um, uh, but it's very complicated, and certainly not a one-size-fits-all approach. The official line is that there's no cure for fibro. Sometimes uh, you have to start with plan A. If it doesn't work, you have to go to plan B, C, or D, or sometimes a combination of the above. Um, but we, uh, we here at McMinn Clinic have certainly treated many of these patients, um, and uh, I think most of them uh, can greatly improve. 
um, with some of the therapies that we're going to mention. In fact, uh, some of these symptoms can go away completely. And that's a great thing to know. Mm-hmm. And so really, where, where to start? Yeah, yeah. And back to your comment about great things to know. You know, sometimes, Laurel, I think that uh, in, in people get in cer- certain situations and they just have no hope. Yeah. And I think that uh, we never want to give people false hope. But on the other hand, I think there's real hope here uh, because most of these people can definitely uh, improve given, uh, given the right therapies. So, um, you know, where, where do we start then? Where if someone is trying to grab a hold of that hope? You know, Laura, like so many uh, people with chronic diseases, it really starts with lifestyle changes. You know, um, we really underestimate the role of what I call lifestyle medicine. I think it's the most powerful medicine on earth. Um, and uh, probably the most important thing we need to do with these folks is to get them sleeping. Um, this is huge. And my motto with this is whatever it takes. Certainly, you know, we uh, in McMinn Clinic, we look at things like sleep hygiene and uh, we have all the tools in our toolbox for getting people to sleep. But at the end of the day, you've got to get these people sleeping. Um, we already did a podcast on CBTI. If you go back and uh, take a listen to that, it's Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia. And uh, that has a lot of information uh, about getting to sleep. Um, but uh, it's a combo of things like CBTI, sleep hygiene, supplements, and meds if needed. Bottom line, sleep needs to be a very high priority. It's hard to make progress uh, with this uh, disease without getting a good night's sleep. I've also found that thyroid optimization is very important for these people. Uh, by thyroid optimization, I don't just mean in the normal range, um, and but I mean optimized at the uh, sort of upper end of the range, or in that fact, you would have the TSH on the lower end of the range, because TSH is a sort of a, an, an opposite uh, of uh, your thyroid condition. I've also found that these uh, people have um, alterations in the way they uh, are sometimes metabolizing their thyroid, and they have a high reverse T3. So many of these uh, fibro patients respond better to a therapy that includes some sort of T3, such as a desiccated thyroid product like Armour Thyroid or Nature Thyroid, or even a Cytomel, which is a pure T3, as opposed to a, a Synthroid-type product, like which is a pure T4. This can work miracles for some of my fibro patients. Um, there's a wonderful book called uh, The Metabolic Treatment of Fibromyalgia by a guy named Dr. Lowe. I actually called him many years ago. Um, I think he's passed away since then, unfortunately, if I recall. I, I hope I'm right on that. Um, and he was kind enough to chat with me uh, um, a couple of times about this. And he said the two most important things for these patients are, number one, restorative sleep. Number two, thyroid optimization. And in his uh, vast experience, it was preferably with uh, uh, Cytomel. Right, right. Well, and you've also, you've got to get people moving, even if it's just a bit of walking or stretching. Some sort of aerobic exercise seems to work the best, but it has to be very, very mild at first. Um, Other things that can help are things like acupuncture, massage therapy, craniosacral therapy, CES, physical therapy, yoga, tai chi, Stress reduction is huge to calm that fight or flight response in our body. So things like meditation and prayer can be mm-hmm. profoundly helpful. Yeah, and let me just uh, interject that the CES stands for cranial electrical stimulation. So um, anyway, but uh, hormone therapy can also be helpful, uh, Coach. Um, for instance, if a patient's hormones are off, she may be having trouble sleeping. She's having hot flashes, night sweats all night. She's waking up all night. And this interferes with sleep. And then poor sleep then exacerbates the fibro. So uh, getting hormones balanced can help well with the sleep and then uh, indirectly then then that helps with the fibro. Mm, That's wonderful to know. Another thing that can be included are dietary changes. They should be part of a healthy lifestyle plan. And so some basic principles would be to eat a a whole food, clean food, plant-centered diet. 
What to avoid for these fiber patients would be things like sugar and processed foods. Um, you can also experiment with cutting out certain things like gluten, dairy, and MSG to see how you do. You might see a difference right away, but give it at least a good six to eight weeks to see how, how it affects you. Um, you may want to keep a food diary to see if you notice any connections with any other foods and the worsening of symptoms. Lastly, with diet, avoid hypoglycemia, since this can be um, a cause for increased symptoms. You may want to have a snack mid-meal, so when you eat your lunch and you know when you're going to eat your supper, but somewhere in the middle of that, have a snack with some protein, balanced protein, um, carb snack. And make sure that you stay very well hydrated, mainly with water. That creates better blood flow with resulting increased oxygen and nutrients to the tissues. Some of the uh, natural therapies we turn to include curcumin and the bioflavonoids such as the quercetin and lutein. I'm sorry, luteolin, to reduce inflammation. LDN, that is low-dose naltraxone, may also be very helpful. I've had uh, pretty amazing results with that. Yeah, And uh, this is a prescription compounded item. And I always work on the gut with these patients uh, because, as you know by now, there's a gut-brain connection. And if there's inflammation in the gut or leaky gut, then this affects neuroinflammation, which exacerbates fibro. Um, think about alterations of gut flora as well, such as yeast overgrowth, which uh, then uh, may need to be addressed. Yes, and many of these people will respond very well to a series of intravenous Myers cocktails. Uh, B12 shots can also be very helpful for the fatigue component. Working on mitochondrial function with things like magnesium, acetyl-L-carnitine, CoQ10, and especially D-ribose, this can bring about great relief for some patients. Other nutrients may also um, help, and those include activated B vitamins, vitamin D, alpha-lipoic acid, and fish oil. And also avoid toxins, like uh, from smoking, and consider checking toxins. Uh, the main kinds of toxins I look for are heavy metals like lead, mercury, and arsenic, organics like from our pesticides and cleaning supplies, and then mycotoxins from mold, which can certainly cause neuroinflammation, and do, then do a targeted detox if needed. Such great, great thoughts on that. Um, mm-hmm. Something else that can really help people would be to focus on the fascia to help unstick the fascia and improve soft tissue pain from fibromyalgia patients. You can try therapeutic movement, stretching, yoga, trigger point injections, dry needling, rolfing, and I have found that using fascia blaster and Epsom salt baths oh, cool. is very, very helpful for decreasing that soft tissue discomfort. Well, tell me about fascia blaster. So it's a product that is a, that's actually a brand name product, but there are other products similar to it that you can actually utilize to softly massage the fascia, and it helps over time to break loose those areas that have maybe become stuck. As you as you have talked about before, um, and by using that over time, you get relief from pain and also increased movement mm-hmm. in those areas that may have become so stiff. Yeah, yeah. You know, the next thing I'm going to talk about is uh, uh, brain fog. We call that fibro fog. You know, Laura, it's interesting. I was uh, listening to somebody uh, just recently who was just getting over coronavirus, and he was talking about what terrible brain fog he has, mm-hmm. um, uh, which uh, is interesting. I, I'll be very curious to see if uh, a coronavirus leads to um, uh, 
to fibro because we talked about earlier how infections can lead to fibro, and I think that the coronavirus uh, might might, uh, might do that. But sometimes, uh, you know, you, we want to look uh, at and treat those specific concerns, uh, like the brain fog, and so for that, you know, some of the exercise to improve uh, blood flow to the brain, some cognitive training, uh, like with, for instance, a brain HQ. And by the way, with these products we mentioned, like brain HQ or fibro fibro blaster, we have no financial relationship with these people. Just to let you know, um, the CES, which once again is cranial electrical stimulation, light box therapy. And some drugs may be helpful, like Wellbutrin or some stimulant medicines like Adderall. Um, targeted brain su- uh, support may also be useful. And for that, we often use things like uh, acetylcarnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, and CoQ10, as well as others. Yes, and let's face it, chronic pain and the limitations of fibro have repercussions for mental, emotional, and spiritual health. So counseling, psychotherapy, and behavior modification therapy may also be helpful. Group therapy is often the most affordable option. Group therapy can be validating and it can be helpful to share experiences with other people who are going through the same thing as you are. Um, Other other ways that people may be able to reach out to um, get therapy also is many employers have employee assistance programs that offer either low-cost or free options for people to reach out and have therapy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, this time of uh, coronavirus, uh, group therapy might be, might be on Zoom, right? It probably would be <laughs> so, on Zoom at yeah, this point, yeah. or, absolutely. Or, or some other platform, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in traditional medical circles, uh, they often turn to medications. Uh, um, one medication I sometimes use uh, for the right patient is uh, cortisol. Uh, there's a great book called Safe Uses of Cortisol by Dr. Jeffries. Um, I use what we call physiologic doses, um, and this can be tremendously helpful for energy and to reduce inflammation. Um, I've used it many times over the years uh, as well as on myself. Uh, at low doses, I think it's extremely safe and, once again, can be very helpful. Other drugs that doctors often use for fibro include things like antidepressants, such as Cymbalta, anti-seizure drugs like Neurontin, beta blockers, topical NSAIDs, which are non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, other topical compounded pain creams, muscle relaxers like Flexeril, oxytocin nasal spray or Trochies, growth hormone injections, sub-Q HCG injections, which is human chorionic gonadotropin, and pain relievers such as Tylenol, your Motrin-type drugs, or even narcotics. I'll just mention uh, that uh, other therapies may be helpful for some people, and this is uh, CBD or even uh, medical cannabis. As you know, uh, this is a very controversial and political subject. To me, at the end of the day, it's all about whatever helps the patient. Um, And I think that that the providers and patients all need to be open-minded and keep the focus on helping the patients who are in need of um, therapy and who are at the end of their rope. Absolutely. And finally, as you know, there is an app for everything. And there are some great apps out there that can really help you to live a better life with fibromyalgia. Um, they can they include My Pain Diary, Chronic Pain Tracker. Um, there are also some websites such as The Mighty that are also helpful for a lot of people with fibromyalgia. And then, of course, I, I love Headspace as yeah. a meditation app. Yeah, um, I used it last night. Uh, um, uh, you know, Especially, once again, with these fibro people, they have trouble sleeping. And I know on Headspace, they have a little uh, uh, sleep thing that can help you sleep. So, yeah, it's, it's a real wonderful app. So, um, bottom line, though, is that the vast majority of people with fibro can get some degree of relief, uh, if not excellent relief. And for some of the above uh, therapies, however, uh, what works for one person may not work for another. So, you have to try plan A, and if it doesn't work, you have to go to plan B, and just don't give up on these people. Uh, um, and sometimes you have to come at it from multiple directions. Right. So find a doctor who is experienced in a functional integrative approach to fibromyalgia and work together to find the plan that works for you. 
Well, all right. Well, uh, Coach, I think that about covers it for Fibro. And I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge and experience on this important topic. And um, that'll about do it for this episode of the Functional Medicine Podcast. Uh, um, thank you, the audience, so much for joining us. We hope you're able, we were able to share something with you that was helpful to you. Yes, and don't forget to check us out at functionalmedicinepodcast.com and mcminnclinic.com. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. These reviews really do make a difference. They will help the podcast grow so that we can help other people, and that's what it's all about. And please like us and share uh, the podcast with your friends uh, so we can help uh, grow the podcast. And I want to give a quick shout out to Ben Wedland, our recording engineer who makes sense of all the techno stuff for us. Thanks so much, Ben. If you have any questions for us or topics that you would like to hear about on the podcast, then please drop us a line to info at mcminnclinic.com. And now, Coach Laurel, can you leave us with a final Coach Laurel pearl of wisdom? Well, as always, I encourage everyone struggling with their health to be kind to themselves first and just find daily moments to focus on gratitude and take small steps each and every day toward healing. Don't give up. There is hope for optimal health. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's such wisdom, Laurel. Thank you so much. Uh, And that should wrap it up. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. This is Dr. McMinn. And this is Coach Laurel. Take Take care care and and be be well. well.